0: Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis.
1: And this is Sister Christian.
0: Today is Monday, March 30th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour. Two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how this pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work.
1: Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep talking, communicating, and sharing our experiences and ideas. We love hearing from you guys. It really makes our day. For sure. (laughs) Yes.
0: So please email us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com.
1: And please share this show with friends and colleagues. We want these stories to be heard. Um, I know that more and more of our episodes are being downloaded. So I know you guys are doing it. But it'd be great if you could, you know, share it if you like it.
0: Um, Share it <laughs> around. Share uh, it. Share it around. Today, Christian, this is this is a big one. We're chatting with the executive director of the producers' health benefits plan (PHBP), Sean Cooley.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to hear what PHBP is doing to support their members, and what their long-term plan is now that no one is paying in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. there's. I have so many questions. I don't know if we'll have enough time for all the questions, but we'll see what happens. <laughs>
0: All right, Christian.
1: <sighs> so, Laura. It's a new week. Yeah. It is a new week. How was your Sunday?
0: Sunday was lovely. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. You know, there's three of us in the house. We just kind of all did our own things and, you know, had a nice little lovely brunch with some sparkling champagne and um, <laughs> yeah. sparkling wine. And then we had a, a five o'clock a happy hour zoom call with a bunch of friends where we actually dressed up it was a friend's birthday so it was fancy dress fun and we, yeah we had cocktails and we each we all made dinner while you know having cocktails and chatting and then we all sat down and ate dinner it was like a Two and a half hour Zoom call, but it was a lot of fun.
1: I've noticed how people are doing that lately. And I really, I I can support getting behind this. Even if you just have it on in the background and you can hear other people's conversations, it's kind of almost like being in a bar.
0: Exactly. Only you're not
1: spending a shitload of money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. That is, yeah, that is one of the benefits, I guess, of this time is we're not paying for $18 cocktails. I
1: know. You're making your own $18 cocktails. I know. Pretty soon my top shelf liquor is going to become, you know, medium shelf liquor.
0: Medium shelf, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But then, uh, yeah, so it was a lovely Sunday. But then, you know, I woke up again Monday and I was like, all right, here we go again. Here's another yeah. week of this. I'm looking forward to the day where I don't wake up and think, oh, my God, we're in this thing. Right? Well, like, when can I just wake up and it's normal?
1: Well, I mean, I my personal opinion is that our we're going to have to redefine what we think normal is.
0: Uh, yeah, know, exactly. That's yeah. why I'm trying to, like, when is this going to start feeling like, oh, just another day.
1: Well, you know what my brain did yesterday when... Um, so I have been trying very hard to get through the White House briefings because I do yeah. think that they... I
0: <laughs> I know. Oh, no.
1: I know. I know. Believe me. <laughs> and I'm just like yelling at the television and, um, you know, just just because I'd like to hear the one or two things that I know are important and that, yep. they're you know, like just cut out the patting myself on the back crap that goes on there and just, uh-huh. you know, like give me the facts. Right. So I have been watching them and yesterday's big continuing our social distancing for until April 30th. Um, Came down yesterday. Surprise. Right. right. Surprise. Surprise. And my my brain, and this could be just a coping mechanism or something, the first thing that popped into my brain, the very first thing was, oh, great. I don't have to worry about getting a job until May 1st cuz I'm not going to be able to get one. Yeah. And if yeah, that yeah. is I know, like I don't know if that's denial or <laughs> am I in denial
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: something but I mean the the fact that my brain went there was very interesting to me because you know, we've, we've lived these um, freelance lives for so long that you know, we structure our entire budget and you know, lifestyle around Working when we want,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And now that we can't work, mm-hmm. what mechanism does my brain need in order to cope with what's going on? And I think yeah. that was it. Oh, great! You don't have to worry about getting work yeah. until May. Pressure
0: is <laughs> off. And I, I do have to say, and I think that's a really important thing that yeah. keeps coming up in these podcasts, and especially with Sarah, is that mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you just get it hit pause on? everything. On I mean, everything. You can play, you can play hooky, right? right? You can like, all right, I'm not going to do this thing that I'm supposed to be doing or finish it tomorrow or, you know, whatever it is that, that it goes on in life. How often do you get to hit the pause button on all your responsibilities? Mm. I mean, it, 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 we're in a fortunate position. Obviously, there's people with, with nine to five jobs and they got to figure out working from home and taking care of kids and all that junk. So we understand that's a much more difficult situation than than what Christian and I have. But for us to have, you know, we're normally very busy people as well, but to have that all kind of put on pause without the responsibility and guilt on you, it's a pretty unique mind trip, you know, yes. for us to have, especially as busy people. Producers who always want to be working, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think it was only two days, and then I'm texting Christian, "We got to start a podcast." And I, goes, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't even sit still for two days. Um, that was
1: that text. um uh, yeah. you might be interested in doing this every day?
0: Yeah, let's do a daily podcast,
1: and <laughs> let's just do it every day.
0: It's let's perfect. just do it every day. So I don't know, uh, but but that that kind of lines up with what you were talking about, um, yeah. In just um, of like your brain just being like, oh, I don't have to do this for a while.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't have to run the rat race. I don't. I don't. It's a a bit of um, absolute privilege, which I saw an interview with a doctor in India over the weekend that was like, social distancing is a privilege. Yes. Because you, in America, we happen to live, we as in us, you know. The majority of us live in a situation where we can social distance. We're not in a house with multiple generations yeah. of people. Not all of us, right. of course. That still that happens in the South, but yeah, it's a privilege. And so yeah. when people um, aren't doing it, it's still so maddening. Mm. I think people are getting the yeah. It's it's starting so. to it's starting to happen. Yeah, I, hope.
0: I think so. The scary
1: thing, I do have one more thing. The scary thing that I saw, and maybe I shouldn't use the word scary, but they're constructing a hospital tent in Central
0: Park. Central Park, yeah.
1: And that just reminds me, again, of Sandy. Mm. And remembering um, walking around uh, during the, there's 30 days without power in Manhattan. And walking around then and seeing like um, all the... Utility trucks that came from all over to co- to help with the power lines and such they had them all parked in Union Square and they were all parked by state mm. and I remember singling out a few states where my family was from and going up and thanking those people. Uh, that were there. Well, yeah, because it was like t- getting to, you know, like the people from Georgia was like getting to talk to my dad or his family because, you know, they all had the accent. <laughs> and if you get to talk to small town people long enough, you know, the same people. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a Kevin Bacon <laughs> thing only with rednecks. Oh my
0: gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that I mean, but that's kind of what you know. We woke up to this morning was a big medical ship, you know, pulling in any minute.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It looks like, and a field hospital in the middle of our city. Wow,
0: <sighs> yeah, we had the same thing happen here in LA after the '93 earthquake. Oh, um, right. A lot of the empty soccer fields or, you know, athletic fields and parks turned into FEMA camps oh, wow. with all the tents. Yeah, so that was, that was you know, you I would drive around and see all these tents set up everywhere. Uh, it was a moving time, definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just, you think about it, or uh, I do as an American, occasionally slip into the you know, take it for granted syndrome. Like we're not, we don't live in, you know, a wartime state and we don't, uh, you know, but then uh, when you see something like this, it's so jarring because we're not used to it. Yeah. So thankful that we've not seen this often. I'm thankful it still surprises me.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. have a couple news, news items and we'll jump into the interview. I don't know if you heard this. This is actually a little bit old news. This came out last week, but we missed it. I swear I thought we should still talk about it. But Warner Media, there was an internal memo that reveals a 100 million dollar relief fund for shutdown production staff. I'll post this article. It's from Variety. It mm-hmm. says Warner Media will pledge 100 million in relief to workers affected by wide production shutdowns in film and television. And this was stated by CEO Jeff Stankey. He said uh, this was Friday in a staff memo that was obtained by Variety. It says, "Quote." We have paused many productions for the health and safety of employees, cast, crew, and community. Mm -hmm. We are stepping up with a commitment of more than $100 million to assist team members of those productions during this time. And it went on to say that IATSE, and we spoke about this, uh, the union representing artists and crew members for Hollywood Productions, they announced nearly two weeks ago that about 120,000 workers had been displaced by shuttered sets, by shuttered jobs. That number has surely risen as planned shoots that were going to be shooting now have been canceled in places like LA and New York
1: yeah it's a rolling so
0: it's a rolling thing mm-hmm. great news from Warner Media I don't know how that must only work for their productions for their staff so if you are on one of those jobs you might want to look into how you can take advantage of some of those benefits
1: yeah and I know that they're a pretty large company that own a lot of smaller I say yeah. smaller studios but they're, <laughs> they're pretty huge um, sub studios yeah. yeah exactly sub studios yeah so that um, will hopefully help in addition to the package that was passed over the weekend. Hopefully yep. those combined things will help. So, Lawrence,
2: Rob, yes. our
1: editor, is getting in on our news resource segment. Oh, that we have what's going he got? Okay. Well, he sent a little text this morning that said, uh, FYI, Bush, you know, beer, is giving three months worth of beer to people who adopt or foster a dog during the coronavirus crisis. Oh, and I was like, what a great way to give away water.
0: No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh. Just so we
1: all know out there, I am a big fan of. Bush, Coors Light, anything light and airy mm-hmm. <laughs> to the palate, <laughs> especially because I'm gluten free. So, Bush Beer is offering three months' supply of its beer to 500 people who adopt or foster dog from Midwest Animal Rescue in Minnesota. Wow.
2: I think that's great
1: because that's what has been happening, um, like, say you used to give to a sanctuary or maybe your local rescue, though all of those donations have started to dry up. Because people don't have the extra income because they're not working. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that a corporation, which is Bush, (laughs) is getting in on that action, trying to encourage dog rescues. Great. I'm I'm 100% for it. Yes.
0: Totally. Love it. Okay. I saw something posted by, do you know Craig, he goes by Bernie. Uh, He's an L.A. guy, so you probably – I don't know if you've worked with him. He's a gaffer, and he's owner of Onset Lighting. Maybe. Uh, He's got a big social media presence on LinkedIn, and he posted something. And since it's a public post, I'm assuming I can share it. But uh, he said, these are very serious times. They are also times of great social change. Inevitable circumstances will lead to inevitable change. Our media production industry has always embraced change. Now change will happen on its own timeline whether we embrace it or not. Only those that can stand the G-force of that change will survive. I think the smartest people in the room will throw out any preconceived notions of how they think it should be and embrace the dark pit of the unknown. And he posted an article by The Hollywood Reporter. The title is, As a virus upends, Hollywood may never return normal. Right. And I think that's some of the things we've talked about here on this podcast is film sets are going to look different for a while. Mm-hmm. Messaging is going to be different for a while. The mm-hmm. the way people are going to consume messages is going to be different for a while. And we have to be, I feel like we should be, you know, ready to pounce on whatever that new thing is. And I think we're in this waiting limbo of trying to figure out exactly what that's going to be because we don't have a timeline right now to work with. So I think we're just kind of in the wings waiting to see what's going to happen.
1: I completely agree with that. I also think that this is going to... that we're going to need to advocate on the behalf of crew and production a little bit harder than we may have. I feel like I am an advocate for sure. Um, I hope Mm -hmm. that people out there who know me will agree with me. But I Mm -hmm. also think that it's going to be, you know, people are going to be so desperate for work that they'll agree to things that. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. I do think that what he's saying is absolutely true and that we're going to be able to have a voice in it and sculpt what's going to come out of this too.
0: Yeah based Definitely. on what
1: the right thing to do is. Exactly. I hope. Um, anyway. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah.
0: I hope so. Do you know Jason Blum from Blumhouse Productions? He, they do they did a, you know get out a lot of horror movies and yes. they moved into more dr- dramatic films. Mm-hmm. So Jason Blum was interviewed in this article and he says uh, he believes the most lasting impact may be in the nature of the content itself mm-hmm. and you know he's coming from mm-hmm. a narrative film not commercials. Right. He says, every artist is going to be touched by this event, and storytelling will shift. You will see that in scripted and unscripted television and movies. Everything that we've done pre-COVID-19 will seem dated much more quickly than it would have in an ordinary time. So that's an interesting thing to think about, the movies and dramatic work that's going to come out of this time period. Because I I think even now, you know, I'm watching old Shit's Creek or I'm watching old, you know, or I'm watching the new Drag Race or the, you know, some current show. And
1: that was filmed you, three months ago or less, right?
0: Or less. And people are hugging or coughing or shaking right. hands or just all these activities that just make you cringe right now. <laughs> Interesting to see what's going to come out of it in terms of dramatic work.
1: Yeah. No, I think. Uh, and um, we were talking about something similar to this the other day where uh it's going to um, affect everything we do.
0: Yeah, um, yeah it really, from really is.
1: How we do it to what we show, and yeah. everything in between.
0: Hey, I want to talk about one more article that I think oh, sure. is very, very comforting. Uh, it was very comforting for me to read, and I think mm-hmm. it's worth sharing. It's in the Chronicle, and the the title of the article is "Why You Should Ignore All That Coronavirus Inspired Productivity Pressure." Right. Mm-hmm. right? It's an interesting article that's written by somebody who's he has been through many different types of crises in other countries, and he's bringing that knowledge into this article. He states that even if we contain the COVID-19 crisis within a few months, mm-hmm. the legacy of this pandemic will live with us for years and perhaps decades to come. It will change the way we move, build, learn, and connect. There is simply no way that our lives will resume as if this had never have happened. And so while it may feel good in the moment, it is foolish to dive into a frenzy of activity or obsess about your scholarly productivity right now. That is denial and delusion. Mm-hmm. The emotionally and spiritually sane response is to prepare to be changed forever.
1: Yes. I mean, I 100% agree with that. And what the uh, what is that old adage? Like if you do something for 30 days in a row, it becomes a habit?
0: Yeah, I think it's 21 days. 20, it's 21 days to build mm-hmm. a habit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, we're coasting right now into week three, I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, it'll be interesting to check in on this next Monday
0: Yeah. and see where we're
1: at with this because it's not going to be the same. And the people who come back thinking that it is, the, Mm -hmm. the people who hire us, the thinking that it is, those are the people that, uh, Tickle the back yeah. of my brain right now. Of, yeah. Like, how am I going <laughs> to deal with that?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm
1: just going to Sister Christian my way through it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. So I'm going to put a link to that article in the show notes, but it's a good read. And it uh, it really kind of, it resonated with me because it is so, you know, he breaks down week one, you're going to think this, you're going to feel this, week two, and so on and so on. And it, and it just kind of is comforting to know that someone's been through this before in some aspect, big or small. Right, you know, it was just a good read.
1: Yeah, life changing. We're living through yeah. it right now. We're
0: living through it. You know, we had those petitions on our website, and obviously the the bill has passed, right? So it's gone mm-hmm. through. There right. is going to be a fourth bill. We know that there's going to be a fourth bill coming. It has so to there, be. Mm-hmm. Has to be. So there's still work to do. We have on the website the um, form letter that you can state send to your state officials to make sure freelancers are covered in financial assistance programs and the DGA. We still have the DGA's flowchart on our website, so you can kind of see what kind of employee or or contract worker you are and follow your way through the flowchart to figure out what programs you qualify for. But this week, I think it's on Thursday, we actually are going to interview the gentleman who started the petition for the live event community. His name is Isaac Rothwell, and he started that petition that we've had on our website. And um, for him, the fight's not over. There's still work to do. So he's going to come on Thursday, and we're going to have a great chat with him about it. So that's exciting.
1: I'm I'm very excited to hear what he has to say about the future of large crowd gathering live events.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's very aware His of thoughts fut- on it. F- yeah, <laughs> very aware that the the outlook right now is grim, but uh, but there it's not going to go away.
1: Right? No, it, people it's want not to going gather. go away.
0: People want to gather no. concerts, live events, branded events. It's all going to still happen. Right. So it, it'll be a good chat.
1: Yeah, since music started or plays or any of that, I maybe mean, people yeah. have been gathering to be entertained. So it's going to happen. We'll just figure it's out. happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean. How, how and when is the yeah. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get on to our interview because today, as I mentioned, we have Sean Cooley from the PHBP. So a little background. In 2003, the AICP, the Association of Independent Commercial Producers, set out to establish a health benefits program whereby members' employers could voluntarily fund a health benefits program for their freelance production teams. In 2008, the PHBP began offering coverage to eligible freelance employees, and in 2013, staff coverage was added.
1: Last week, PHBP Board of Trustees approved an unprecedented relief package to help our community brace for the impact of canceled shoots, slowing workflow, and the loss of employment that comes as a consequence of each. We chatted with Executive Director Sean Cooley to find out more.
2: Let's take a listen.
1: So, Sean, we'd like to check in first on how you're doing and how your family's doing.
2: I appreciate that very much. Um... Uh, we, you know, we're both home. Um, so that's interesting. Um, uh, my husband works from home Mm -hmm. anyhow, so there's not much change in that except now there's somebody else in the house all day long too. Uh, I'm just incredibly grateful to have a job. So first and foremost, more than anything else, I'm just filled with gratitude that A, I have something to do to keep me busy. Uh, and that B, at least the disruption, um, is is not nearly as uh, catastrophic as it is for so many other people who have lost income. So I'm just more than anything filled with gratitude.
1: I, I completely agree with that. I do think that, um, it's, uh, we're all going through something different right now. And it's, it feels just as bad. We are allowed to feel bad about it for sure. So yeah. I, I do, I can't get behind thinking that other people have it worse, but I'm okay with thinking that I have it pretty bad too. You know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, our own realities are our exactly. own realities and, you know, it's, but we can. You, it's like the the face mask in the airplane thing. You know, we've got to be able to be comfortable with, uh, you know, our own situations yeah. before we can be helpful to somebody exactly. else's, and that can't involve judgment.
0: Maybe let's back up a little bit, and Sean, maybe you can give us a little bit of background on yourself, what you're doing right now in terms of, of work and your involvement with PHBP and and uh, all that kind of background.
2: You know, I grew up in Simi Valley, California. Mm-hmm. You know, it's suburbs of L.A. Dad's LAPD. Uh-huh. Eventually wound up at NYU and uh, did their Mm -hmm. Tish for film school there, but in film theory because that's a useful degree. (laughs) 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 Um, Look at me now, Ma. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. I, you know, you got to basically had to watch movies and 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 argue your opinion as your homework every night. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyhow and then it's like everybody else you, you wind up in one of the cities i came back to la mm-hmm. and got a job working for um a, a director who had been around for a million years and eventually you know kind of did my one year as his assistant kind of thing and then met some young writers who had just finished a script and i loved it and we kind of put our heads together and we got it made it was a little film called montana uh, it was the opening world premiere uh film at sundance in 1998 mm-hmm an awesome, you know, Kira Sedgwick, Stanley Tucci, yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robin Tunney, which is like this amazing cast of people. And, you know, I was 26 years old. And I kind of thought, okay, great. I, you know, I'm here. I've, I've made, made it. it. I won <laughs> Hollywood. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Hollywood does what Hollywood does to some and kind of chewed me up yeah. and didn't spit me out, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that rolling success of movie to movie to movie to movie. <laughs> best friend of mine was working in commercials and I was broke. So I just kind of said, I need a job. So he hired me on his team and that was in like 1999 or 2000. And I've been kind of in commercials ever since. I've made a few more movies, then a couple, a little bit of everything. I've done documentaries. I've done a TV show. uh, We just did our last film uh, for Fox Digital in 2016, Mm -hmm. but all the while I've done commercials. And then in 2000, I think it was 2006, some friends of mine Cause we were all kind of in the same, mm-hmm. you know, production bays together. And that was when co was getting mm-hmm. started yes. and they asked me to, you know, check out what they were doing. And I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. And I started <laughs> sharing my opinion <laughs> and then got kind of heated about it all. Right. And kind of next thing, you know, I'm the guy with the bullhorn, mm-hmm. you know, in front of 400 people on a picket right. line and being called out in the press as, you know, one of the organizers. Yeah. Um, Which I was proud to be, you know, I really do believe, you know, I I believe that what we were doing then was what needed to be done. So then when uh, the ICP uh, kind of rolled out the PHBP kind of as the, you know, semi-official, whatever, pseudo-official, whatever, kind of one of the members of the steering committee of the Mm COPOS group, I kind of rejected the health plan that they first put forward. Mm. Uh, didn't think it was rich enough, so they said, well, look, we don't want to fight with you guys. We actually want to help, so why don't you join our board and help us figure this out? So I joined, the, I was the first freelance trustee mm-hmm. on the PHVP board of trustees, and that was a job I've had uh, until I resigned uh, two years ago to take the job as the executive director. Got it.
1: Wow. I mean, I remember 2006 fondly. I remember where I was, I mean, <laughs> I I was remember
0: at- those email threads fondly. Oh, yeah. I
1: mean, being at um, Crossroads <laughs> yeah. at the time and writing PHBP in the union section of the time card for mm-hmm. CAPS. Yeah, yeah. Just stuff. It, it was-, was quite a great time in New York. I think there were six of us or seven of us in New York at the time.
2: Yeah. I actually got fired from a job on mm-hmm. the first day when they found out yeah. that I was the production manager. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. I mean, probably, wait, what? I, remember, I remember my producer approaching me and saying, because it was PM at the time, um, saying, uh, so uh, the company would like to know if you're going to make a problem.
0: Oh, I had that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't yeah. know.
1: What do you guys <laughs> you think know, a problem just, is?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really open for Exactly. And yeah, that's such a subjective term. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In hindsight, and as you learn about mm-hmm. stuff, you know, because since, you know, my role once on the board was, of course, very solely focused on making the PHVP, you know, as, as right. good as it can be. The thing that's interesting is that, you know, the the plan had begun its formation a decade prior, mm. and it really did take that long. For the Department of Labor to kind of figure out like, oh, you guys right. are kind of like a non-union version of a union and employers are going to be doing this voluntarily. The whole thing just really did take a decade yeah. in in government regulations and approvals and all this other kind of stuff. And I see that now uh, and have continued to see it as we've been looking to try to expand and you know grow what we're offering and things like that. And the red tape and the, the government regulation is just, it's massive for something like this, because you've got, you know, we operate in all 50 states, Mm -hmm. so you've got, and insurance is a state-regulated issue, so, you know, to be compliant in every state and still do what we need to do and accept contributions from you know, two hundred and twenty employers mm. for thousands of employees, it's just it's tricky, but it's rewarding. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna break in and ask you, um, can you just give a little sum up of PHBP for the listeners that we have that aren't familiar with commercial production? We have live, you know, event people here, we have crew members like, you know, Feature who have standard people. unions. Exactly. So if you wouldn't mind structurally.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, hi to everybody first, um, and I hope everyone is well. You know, every ca- job category you just mentioned is, you know, affected by this thing, mm-hmm. events, production, everything. Um, but anyhow, uh, PHPP is the Producers Health Benefits mm-hmm. Plan, and it is a employer-sponsored uh, health benefits plan that provides uh, health benefits – Uh, to commercial freelancers in the production department. So it covers Mm -hmm. line producers, production managers, coordinators, PAs, and freelance bidders. It's voluntary for the employer, but the employer doesn't get to pick or choose the employee or the job. You're either all in or all out. Uh, We've got about 220 employers. Mm -hmm. The employers must be members of the AICP. um, And that's not just an AICP thing. That's actually dictated by the Department of Labor and the IRS.
1: I wondered about that. Sorry to break in. Yeah, because...
2: Yeah, because there's a for for the purpose of determining who gets to join an association for the purpose of insurance, mm-hmm. they need definitions so that everybody doesn't just say well I'm a
1: member. You
2: know <laughs> Yeah, and my, and my my dog groomer's a member <laughs> and my hairdresser's a uh, member. Right. So the Department of Labor is actually the one that kind of dictated in the formation of all of this that if we're gonna do something that's specific for this industry, as requested, then there has to be some definition of what qualifies you as an employer in the industry. And the Department of Labor decided that the already established trade association, which wasn't established for the purpose of the insurance, had existed for twenty years prior, uh, would be that kind of delineator of what makes you a production company, because uh, they had to they had to put some kind of uh, structure to it. And that's what they came up Interesting. with. Interesting. It's only available to AICP members. Mm-hmm. They contribute a portion or not a portion. They make a contribution to the plan as a percentage of the gross wages of the covered workers. So if you're making it's 9% is the contribution. Mm. So if you make a thousand dollars a day, we get nine bucks, 90 bucks.
1: And then how many members Uh uh, are getting the benefits?
2: Uh, We have about uh, 15 or 1600 freelancers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have about 500 or so dependents on the plan. And then we, in 2013, we opened Mm -hmm. up the opportunity for participating employers to cover their staffs. Exactly. And staff is probably about 960 and they have, you know, about 800 dependents. So it's, it's not quite 50, 50, but it's roughly 50, 50 between staff and employees. When you consider the dependents, there's more dependents on the staff side and there's more employees on the freelance side, total lives covered. It's roughly half about 4,000.
1: Wow. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. great. And especially with what's happening right now is when, you know, that benefit of being in a community-driven plan mm-hmm. as opposed to being on the open market, you know, I think is uh, we've been able to kind of, you know, show one of the benefits of, uh, you know, of, of the collective, if you will.
0: Let's dive in now to what the PHPP is offering to its members as a part of the relief package for everyone that's been affected by this pandemic. Uh, I know you guys sent out an email, an e-blast last Mm -hmm. week that kind of broke it all down. But do you want to just kind of give us a little summary of some of the things that you guys are thinking about for everybody?
2: In the immediate of, okay, what can we do for for folks? Um, People are losing... Jobs and mm-hmm. when you lose jobs, not only do you lose income, um, but when there's no income from the perspective of the plan, there's no contributions, right. and which means not only is the plan not getting that income, but if there's no contributions, that means you're not getting the credit for the job, yeah.
1: the qualification, right?
2: Yeah, the qualification. Right. So, the first thing we wanted to do, and the very first announcement we made, uh, we sent out. Um, which is before any of the details of last week's announcement, was just to reassure everybody that no one's going to lose their insurance for not working right now. Great. Um, the way we're structured, there's a two-month lag between the amount of time you can qualify and then when the start date is for the insurance um, based right. on that qualification. Mm-hmm. So we knew nobody was going to be losing any insurance right away. Uh, but that didn't uh, help the fact that people were scared. Right. 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 So the first thing we did was we said that we were going to extend the qualification periods, which is the twelve-month period that you have to, you know, qualify for the insurance. You know, in our plan, it's earning thirty-five thousand dollars in that twelve consecutive month period or working one hundred days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we said we're going to extend three months. So everybody will now have a fifteen-month qualification period this year.
1: Oh wow! And That's
2: you. then. Because people are also, the insurance is tied to the qualification period, everybody automatically now gets a 15 month insurance period this year instead of 12. So everyone's insurance and qualification periods are being extended three months. And, you know, the way it just kind of naturally works is this roughly the same number of people who fall off every month for not qualifying is roughly equal to the number of new people who uh, are first becoming uh, newly eligible mm. so our total headcount is roughly the same month to month but there's you know there's there's a there's you know some outliers who um, some people who work you know i would imagine that they're working mostly for non-participating employers right. and then if they don't qualify they fall off but other people kind of step in to take their place mm-hmm. i see so we also wanted to make sure that those people who have been working hard and choosing PHBP work for the purpose of attaining eligibility weren't getting left in the dust mm-hmm. either. By extending the qualification period, we're also extending the, the qualification period for those who are trying to gain eligibility for their insurance. Because the way we do is we look back 12 months, and every month we'll look back the the, the previous 12 months to see you know, if you've qualified. So what we'll do now is we'll add a 13th month and then next month, we'll add a 14th month in the month after that. So we'll add, we'll keep adding up to 15 months of look back uh, so that the people who are trying to gain get eligibility for insurance mm-hmm. basically have the same advantage as everybody who currently has it so that we even that playing field because we don't want enough, you know, anybody who's eligible for the insurance to not have it. That's great. So that was the first big thing yeah. we did. And that is… Who knows what the actual end date of everything that's happening will be. So, you know, we're we're making incremental announcements. So that's good for March, April.
0: And that's what I was going to ask without a timeline. Nobody really knows when we're going back to work. So I was going to ask you, but it feels like an unfair question. Well, what happens if this keeps going on? Which I'm sure, you know, we're just going to have to look at things uh, as they unfold over the next, you know, couple months. I'd imagine.
2: Yeah, you know, we will. And I'm a little surprised that some of the other unions and guilds in our industry haven't stepped up with similar kind of plans of protecting people. I would imagine that the extending of the qualification period is something that they will all do. Yeah. I don't know that any of them have formally announced it, but I'd be actually kind of shocked if if that's just not practically what happened. Yeah. You know, this, there's like you said, there's no way to know when it, when this thing is going to end. But we did know when it began, yeah. and so we want to help people from the beginning and see how long and what measures and you know what kind of mutations or whatever it is. Who knows? Great. You know. Mm-hmm. But for right now, the initial fear, the initial terror that people had about losing their insurance because of the uh, lack of jobs, we needed to make sure that uh, people could rest, yeah. rest assured that that wasn't that's great. Happen. So then, And then the second thing we did is because obviously also uh, there's no income for a lot of folks is we wanted to eliminate the monthly out-of-pocket. So the insurance is free for the employee. Right. Um, but there's a small uh, co- uh, co-payment kind of a thing for dependents. Mm-hmm. So we charge a, a small monthly fee to add dependents. So we're waiving that fee. Um, we also, once you're in the plan, try to make it hard to lose it. So, if somebody is trying to requalify for existing insurance and they fall short of the number of days they've worked, they have uh, we have a book called the bridge. Mm-hmm. So you can pay basically like eight dollars and fifty cents for per day you're you're shy. So if you only work eighty days and you need a hundred, it's eight fifty times twenty. Twenty days you're shy wow. is your monthly bridge payment that month to be able to keep the insurance. Mm-hmm. So if somebody ends up paying, you know, $150, a month for insurance, but it's, you know, a $600 insurance yeah. plan, um, that's it still huge. saves them a lot that's by huge. not having to go out under the that's open market. So we're waiving those fees as well. Oh, wow. Amazing. And then we're also waiving, because we do our insurance in tier levels based on mm-hmm. the income, um, and that's something we had to implement last year uh, because the cost of insurance just goes up. It's insane how much the premiums go up every single year. If we're receiving contributions for someone that, you know, the contributions we receive don't even pay 20% of the insurance, you know, we don't want to throw those people out. We needed to find a less expensive insurance that was still, you know, a good insurance. And although people have opinions on what the HMO is just by the nature of having that kind of gatekeeper, relationship that you need to have, which is inconvenient. I understand that. Um, <laughs> it's especially inconvenient for freelancers, yeah. and I get that too. But when the cost of the coverage is going up, so you know, goes up so high, this was uh, a way for us to keep everybody in free health care. Yeah. But if you're in the middle tier, we either you can buy up to the more expensive plan. Mm-hmm. So we're waiving those out-of-pocket nice. fees now. So we're waiving everything that you would be spending mm-hmm. – on a recurring monthly basis for the next three months, we're waiving that. That's amazing. That's
1: huge.
2: Yes. For everybody. It is pretty huge, actually. You know, Um, because if you've got, you know, three kids, that's, you know, $550 a month.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money. I mean, healthcare on its own is expensive if you don't have it. But yeah, yeah,
2: I mean. And that $550 that they're saving is for a health policy that, costs us like 2200 right. a month. Mm-hmm. So we've waived um, qualification periods, mm-hmm. we've waived the coverage periods, and we've waived all out-of-pocket monthly recurring fees for the freelancers. So those are the three things we were able to do right away for our freelance That's community. Great. And for our staff community, mm-hmm. one of the things that we've been getting a lot of questions on is, you know, if I need to furlough or lay off a staff member, yeah. can I continue to pay for their insurance coverage? Because once you're no longer an employee, then you're no longer able to be on the employee coverage. Okay. That's just, you know, that, that's, that's policy plan. from the insurance carrier. They've all stepped up and said, we will extend uh, the opportunity to keep your employees if you've laid them off or furloughed them on your employer plan through the end of May. Wow. Uh, so that's something that the insurance companies allowed us to do with, uh, you know, with everybody. That's amazing. Uh, and then what we've done on our own was then say, We're going to temporarily waive our rule that only full-time employees can be covered so that if you're trying to keep your company afloat and moving people, you know, if the option is furlough, layoff, or move them to part-time, we don't want the insurance to be a deciding factor Mm -hmm. in that. We'd like it to be, you know, a way, because what we're finding is that employers aren't looking for a way to get out from under the burden of the insurance payment. They're looking for a way to keep the insurance in place, even if they have to, reduce the hours or reduce the pay or lay off the employee. So we're trying to do everything we can to help the employers keep their employees on their health plan as long as possible. So we're allowing the uh, part-time employees to stay on for three months as well. And then the last thing we're doing, so Cobra continuation coverage Mm -hmm. for people who don't know what Cobra is. Once you've been terminated, quit, fired, anything as long as it wasn't for cause, you know, like if you're embezzling from your company and get fired, you don't get the benefit of COBRA. But for everybody else, regardless of the reason why you're no longer eligible as an employee, you can take what they call COBRA. COBRA continuation coverage is a federal program that allows uh, former employees to continue on the health plan they had for 18 months and they pay full price. Plus, I think it's a 2% admin fee. Mm -hmm. That's all, you know, federally regulated. Uh, in California, there's an additional 18 months on Cal Cobra after the original Cobra. So you can go for 36 months of paying for your own insurance before you're like, you know, tossed out into the open market. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So what we've done is we wanted to say, well, if if we do see a wave of layoffs, we want to make sure that the, and the employers aren't able to pay the insurance. We want to make sure that the Former employees are getting a little bit of a discount. So we're doing a 20% off on Cobra as well. Yeah, that's great. Also for everybody currently on Cobra, because a lot of those folks are freelancers Mm -hmm. who didn't re-qualify but are trying to re-qualify. So we're doing 20% off on the Cobra for those who will get on Cobra and for those who are on Cobra. Amazing. The last thing we did is we've uh, partnered with City National Bank to create an online banking portal so that credit cards are now accepted too. So if you're really in a cash crunch and uh, it's coming down to that wire where you don't have the money to make an insurance payment, uh, we wanted to give people the opportunity to you know, throw it on the credit Amazing. Card. We'll see where this all goes. Uh, um, Nobody's able to or trying to or wanting to predict the future. So Mm -hmm. right now, here's what we're able to do. Yeah, because, you know, I think if you get too forward thinking in it, it can it just leads to anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it either can create some false hope or it creates depression that's unnecessary because, you know, it's easy to catastrophize. In a situation like this that, you know, on many levels is a catastrophe. Yeah. We kind of have to compartmentalize where the catastrophe lies because mm-hmm. it's not universal in every aspect of our lives.
1: Right. And it hasn't happened yet. I mean, the future hasn't happened yet. I know how that sounds, but we don't yeah. know what's going to happen and it's beyond our control. Yeah. It's bigger than us.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know it's been a while since you've been on the freelance circuit, but I don't know, do you have any advice for, for you know, the people that you offer offer this health care plan to of words of wisdom about how they can get through this this kind of downturn? And, you know, I don't know if that's an unfair question, but w- would love to hear what you, your thoughts on that.
2: Oh, God, I wouldn't pretend to be <laughs> in the position to do that for anybody. I can just say that the thing that's kind of helped me and the friends and family that I talk to regularly is – an increased connection. Who heard of Zoom before all of this? I mean, some of us who, you know, used it as a business platform, but, mm-hmm. you know, that opportunity to be face-to-face on video with friends, to find ways to do game night with friends, yeah. to find ways to have dinner with parents, you know, on, on these these devices, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I think is what's really going to get people uh, through it emotionally is, you know, because we, we have to stay connected. When, you know, the, the, the best way to beat the disease is to disconnect physically, mm-hmm. which means we have to reconnect or deepen the connections emotionally, uh, in my opinion. So, you know, taking that time to, uh, you know, reach out and text and talk and video and who cares what your hair looks like. We <laughs> yeah. all, you, know. <laughs> you know, my husband and I were joking the other day because we both kind of looked at each other like, oh, you're wearing jeans. Uh, it's like, yeah, you oh. know, we can't just do the sweats all day anymore. Yeah. It, just, it feels.
1: I did see a post that says, don't forget to try your jeans on once a week just to check in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Make
1: sure. And I was like, Christ.
2: <laughs> well, that's one of the things that's cracking me up are some of the funny memes. Oh, yeah, and, I mean, there's some hilarious stuff going around. I mean, we've got a couple of dogs, and I saw one yesterday where it's like the dogs up on the top cupboard looking down at <laughs> yeah. the parents. You know, the people saying, you know, stop it. You've it been, I've already gone on 20 walks. Yeah. Today. That's
0: enough. <laughs> and these are the things like that are mm-hmm. going to start resonating in the work we do. You know, these how quickly the culture has changed. We had memes instantly. We had bitmojis instantly. That's how fast we're reacting as a culture to this. And we're going to see that in the work we do for sure.
2: Well, you know, and I saw, you know, this, I, I know a lot of people, who, you know, especially when it first started, when those, you know, before everything really shut down, when it was the threat, that there was a lot of, uh, Talk about um, being able to have uh, virtual clients and how VTR Mm -hmm. can broadcast. You know, I think those are the kind of things we're going to see. I think perhaps there'll be less travel on future jobs. Perhaps, you know, one way to cut budgets will be maybe send one person from the agency, but not the entire team and let everybody else watch live so they can cut back on that, you know, on the travel expense uh, to have that many people showing up on on set that then just creates more efficiencies all the way around Absolutely. You, know, you don't have just the village isn't as big there's less if things shrink a little bit mm-hmm. not to say that we want the budgets to go mm-hmm. down people learn from how they have to adapt we all remember you know before the sag strike back in when was it 2003 yes yeah. we weren't shooting in vancouver prior mm-hmm. to that yeah not at all. You know, people learn, oh, I can go overseas and out of the country and, and actually save money. So I think we're going to find that, you know, when we wake up from all of this, there's going to be ways to be more efficient that we haven't thought of that are going to be kind of forced upon us as a way to fix a current problem. But then will reveal themselves to be, you know, permanent solutions to improving things.
0: Exactly. I keep saying, you know, our world's got instantly much, much smaller Personally, right? So you're in your house now. You don't go much further. You're thinking about your friends, your family, your loved ones. Eventually, that's going to unfold into the way we do these jobs. Everything's just Mm -hmm. going to get a little bit smaller, not in terms of scale or scope or money, but efficiency is exactly what you're saying in in what we do and how we do it. Do we really need, you know, 14 agency and clients sitting in Video Village? (laughs) Maybe it depends
1: not. on what they think.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody's, uh, you know, and not to say that their value to the project is diminished no. at all. No, but it's we can just provide the, them you know, a way. Their, mm-hmm. their value can be expressed in a, in a less expensive way from their monitors in their offices.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely
2: it never ceases to amaze me the way that the production community can solve a problem instantly instantly the ability. And it's just, you know, it's a skill set obviously, you know, that must be had to be successful in the business is that opportunity to predict what's coming around the corner Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of estimate whether or not your current fix is going to be a future problem or not, because they have to kind of see what the domino effect of everything is. I mean, if we had a production manager in the white house, We'd be three months ahead of the oh, game of where we are. I'm right now.
1: volunteering right now. I have in the past. Like, I would run this shit so much better.
2: Just, <laughs>
1: just so everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there'd be a common sense approach to, laced with honesty. Um, my you know, for a lot of
2: people who are experienced in production, what that second career is, I would think that every one of us would be qualified to be in the kind of management levels of, you know, FEMA and the Red Cross exactly. and all these other things Absolutely. that have to organize quickly and respond instantly. Absolutely.
1: I 100% and agree with that.
0: This may be the time that inspires people to make those kind of shifts and find mm-hmm. out how their skill set applies to other things that maybe are more fulfilling. Not to say what we do is not fulfilling, but, you know, now's a moment of, of reflection upon that. And you can see what our weird set of skills, how it works it for other things which is an interesting moment in time, I think, for everybody.
1: I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I agree.
0: Sean, how can okay, if people have questions about their coverage, how can they get answers? Is there a place for them to call, to email? Is there a website?
2: So our website is phpp.org. There's a banner on the main page uh, for coronavirus, COVID-19 mm-hmm. dedicated mm-hmm. Uh, a section of our website. It has all the information there as far as what Anthem Blue Cross, our uh, medical coverage, is doing as far as the specific uh, policies that they have there's an app that they have that is a symptom tracker yes. uh, it's called sydney cares and you can download that and if somebody's fearful that they might you know be showing symptoms it can you enter what your symptoms are and it tracks you and if it's necessary it elevates it to a conversation with the nurse or a doctor and then elevates mm-hmm. it and elevates it and elevates it until it eventually you know if needed will direct you to a proper care facility If somebody has questions as far as just regular coverage, all of that information is on our website, including in the documents and resources for the printed versions and the legal versions of everything. Mm -hmm. But if it's a quick question, send us an email. It's much faster. You can reach me at Sean, uh, S-E-A-N-C, Sean Cooley, C at phbp.org. Our administrator, though, who handles everything to do with billing and all the administrative work, uh, that's staff at phbpbenefits.org. And there's a third party uh, administrator named Benesis Systems, mm-hmm. and uh, Barry yeah. Barry Oshiro is our guy over there, and he's fantastic. So he and his team handle all the day to day operations from an administrative level, and then you know our office, of course uh, if it's if it's non administrative, uh, then those those questions should come to me directly. But the office is closed, so really no point in leaving a voicemail. Uh, it's best to just send me an email.
0: Good to know. We'll put that contact information in our show notes. Yes. Sean, thank you so much for your time. We really Thanks. appreciate you coming on and, and letting us know how you guys are modifying what you do to, to help everybody during this crisis.
1: Yeah, and we'd love, we'd definitely love to have you back in a couple of weeks, just uh, as things shift, because we do understand this uh, is a pretty fluid situation right now. So yeah, if there's yeah, any updates really or something, it.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to stay in regular contact with you guys as things develop uh, to, you know, help share uh, what PHBP is doing mm-hmm. for our members and for those who want to be our members and, you know, just for the community at large. So thank you so much for uh, for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for your time, Sean.
1: Thank you so much. Great interview with Sean. Uh, very knowledgeable. I wonder, um, I should have asked this, but I didn't. I wonder um, if when he was a PA, He ever thought he would know this much about insurance? (laughs) It just came so natural. Of course it does. It's his job. But I'm just thinking like when he was in film school.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, it is exactly what he was saying. You know, our skill set, we dive in and we learn quickly and we absorb quickly. So I'm sure it came rather naturally because that's just kind of who production people are in general. We become Mm -hmm. experts in a topic very, very quickly and figure out logistics and the inner workings of it, you know pretty succinctly.
1: I agree. And I can see that his, while he was talking about uh, what he did, I I thought about the transition time between production managing and producing. Because I feel like that's the time when you realize that as a producer, there's multiple entities at work, the production company, the agency and the client. And as a PM, you're you're basically for the production company and the crew, right? So that morphing into, uh, you know, unfortunately going to have to compromise here but you know you get benefits here i think um is a interesting um path yeah for sure he followed yeah
0: and i love what he was talking about you know uh how this moment in time has kind of increased our ability to connect with people in new and different Mm -hmm. ways game nights zoom calls you know facetime dinner with parents all that's interesting and and that that is going to reflect in the work that we start doing when we do go back to work. So I think it's a really interesting moment to pay attention to what's going on now, because this is going to be kind of our new norm and all things moving forward that we're going to be producing are going to look back on this or are going to somehow be couched in this experience right now.
1: Totally, uh, it's our. We're already starting to see it seeping in in various ads.
0: Yes. So thanks for Sean coming on. I'm sure there are people out there that maybe have some questions or maybe want to challenge the PHBP to on what they're doing. Is this enough? Can they do more? If anybody has any questions out there, Sean is open for us to keep the conversation going please feel free to email us and, you know, we can pass those questions along or you email Sean directly.
1: Either one. I mean, uh, communication is key right now, and especially mm-hmm. if it involves your life, your finances, and your health. We're happy to be your voice or you can be your own voice either yeah. way.
0: Yeah. All right, everybody. I think that's it for today. Stay safe, stay connected, stay active, and please stay home.
1: Wash your hands. And today I picked up something that I see Lawrence doing a little bit is grabbing a tissue before I have to touch my face. Because I for some reason, that. during the two hours that we do this, my face is the itchiest it gets <laughs> all day long. So... <laughs> I saw you doing that, and, and I was going to like,
0: uh, commend you on that, using a little tissue. Yes. You have a little face <laughs> a little tissue. Very exactly. good.
1: Uh, yes. All right. Be
0: sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. And Christian, if people want to get a hold of you and put you on hold for a job— <laughs> In July? Yes, please. I'm whenever, available. Whenever,
1: whenever. Sisterchristianproduces.com. <laughs> and Lawrence, if you
0: yes. are looking
1: for work and people are looking for you to do it, what, how can they get a hold of you?
0: LawrenceTlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, no, another great episode in the can. Thanks yes. for listening, guys.
0: I'll talk to you all tomorrow.
1: And see ya.
0: Bye.